a dying generation out there, right? They are lost as lost can be. Yes. And I was teaching some young people who are will be heading to college soon. I said, you're going to see everything under the sun when you go to college if you hadn't seen it already. But when you see some of these things uh, that are totally contradictory to reality, you know, some of these issues with identity, gender, and all that kind of thing, mm-hmm. I-, I told them, I said, you go towards them, not away from them. You don't get in your holy huddle. You go share Jesus with them. That's you good. tell them about Jesus. And you know what God told me one day as I was at home alone and I was just walking around the house and praising and praying. He said, just preach the gospel. Talk about the cross. Talk about Jesus becoming sin on that cross. You don't have to lift every sin that people are committing these days. When you just preach that he became sin, that we might become righteous, and you preach the grace of God, they're going to be attracted to that message. Welcome to the Living by Grace podcast with Al Jennings. When you receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, you will reign in life. Listen in as we discuss the effortless life of God's grace. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another show. I am so excited because I got one of my sisters here. She's more than a sister in Christ. She's like a real sister to me and um, a mentor in so many ways. Trisha Gunn from L.A., Lower Alabama. (laughs) (laughs) Trisha Gunn. Trisha is the founder of Parousia Ministries. I'm going, going to let her tell you what that even means all right she's the host of a real view talk show on andrew womack's gospel truth tv i've got a real view mug coffee mug i should have brought that today even though you can't see it this is audio only but anyway she's the author of unveiling jesus and i told her before the show that this is like an encyclopedia on grace i encourage you to get your hands on it and She's the author of I Am Free. You can get both of those books on Amazon, right? You sure can. Yeah, or, or through our website. Or through her website. We'll put uh, her website in the show notes. She's a conference speaker. She's been at our church and blessed us. And she is a Bible teacher, not just a Bible teacher. She is an outstanding teacher of the word, as you're going to hear In a few moments, she's the wife of Mark and the mother of five grown children. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, Tricia, to the show. I'm so excited about having you on today. We're going to get into some good stuff. Welcome. Hey, Al. It is awesome to talk to you. I feel like I have gone kind of in a a black hole a little bit, you know, (laughs) just kind of got off off the radar um, by the Lord's direction yeah. for the past year and a half or so. And in grace, we have the freedom to uh, do that, you know? Right. Just, You're doing what you got to do, what the Lord has led you to do and leading you to do. Yeah. Yeah. I respect that. Yeah. Some folks just yeah. keep going and going and going. But uh, when the yeah. Lord tells you to go in another direction, that's what, that's what we do, right? Led by the spirit. Sure. And, you know, when we grace uh, teachers and preachers talk about um, the new covenant, we talk about rest. That's a big topic, rest. And it just, you know, basically to me means that we 
uh, we don't have to strive. We know who we are in Christ and what he's done for us. We're at the finish line. We're not trying, we're not running a race to, uh, accomplish anything before God. We're just here to serve others. And uh, as far as uh, God is concerned, he's washed our sins away. He's made us perfect in his sight. And, uh, and therefore, you know, rest, uh, it can look a, a lot of different ways. And um, I never really would have thought he would have me to, you know, really get off the radar for, uh, you know, a, a time. I didn't even know how long. I kept thinking it was going to be a month or two. And it ended up being a year and a half <laughs> so far. So, um, you know, Al, this uh, podcast may be the beginning of something. I don't know. but. Um, Anyway, I felt led to talk to you today and to share what's on my heart. We have been working behind the scenes quite a bit uh, for the last mm-hmm. year, preparing some things. And so we will be unveiling some things soon. Wow. But, I feel yeah. special that you're, you're coming on with me. Well, you are special. <laughs> <laughs> and, and as you said, you know, we're, we are brother and sister and I was just had a few of my uh, friends and partners uh, to pray for me uh, while we're, you and I are talking, I've got some Mm. folks praying for me. And, and I said, you know, Al Jennings is, uh, I said, I I have a kinship with Al Jennings and we, we are, we are close friends. I don't, I don't just consider you and Carla as acquaintances, but as dear, dear friends who share uh, this love, you know, the love of God um, and the word of God. So, and we've done a lot of things together. Thank and you. And I know we, we are really, we are really in agreement and I love that. Thank so. you so much. We feel the same way. And actually I mentioned your book. We have used your book in, small in our small groups on different occasions and it's been life-changing to our congregation and thank you for writing that book it's been a blessing to many across the world yeah yeah unveiling jesus uh was written at a time of really profound revelation for me and as i read through it now a few years after i've written it uh, I go back down memory road and I feel it all again. So it, it is anointed by God. Um, I'm just a person who was experiencing the grace of God as I was writing it and it was just coming out. Um, so I agree with you, Al, if I can say, I, I feel like it's an anointed book and I pray that it will get into the right hands and change lives. I still continue to pray that. So Anyway, but I appreciate that. I, I, the encouragement and the feedback, people don't understand. Uh, they sometimes hold back and don't let you know, you know, that, that something you've written or spoken has touched them. And it means more than you think to hear that. Um, it, it mm. keeps, it's kind of like gas in a car. It, it kind of keeps you going. So Yeah, yeah. And I Am Free is a powerful book as well. Yeah, that one... Um, let me tell you what I think about I'm free. Um, it was me getting down on paper and outline basically of what Jesus has accomplished for us in creating us anew in him. 
And what I really think that that book, it, it's it's great, and it it tells about you know I'm I am complete in Christ. I'm loved. I'm yes. given. I am cleansed. I am holy. I'm righteous. I'm a child of God. I'm more than a conqueror. Um, but and this is critical that we understand this, but I'll tell you who I have had in mind in sort of creating that outline called I'm free as I've been thinking of the younger generations. Mm. And, you know, Al, I've talked to you about this before. I'd say for at least a decade, I've had the younger generations on my heart. And uh, I know there is a ministry that is in the seed phase um, during this year and a half off. The Lord has given me a name for it. He has given me vision for it. Uh, it will be based on the teachings of I am free and the, the truth of our identity in Christ. And, and the name of it is poema. Mm. And poema is the Greek word from which we get our word poem, but it's translated in Ephesians 2.10 as masterpiece or another version says workmanship yeah and we uh, we've been created anew in christ jesus as a masterpiece that's what we are we're god's poem we were created before time began god had us on his heart and mind we were created and and he planned good works for us before we were ever born. Thank you, Lord. And if the younger generations can understand who they are in Christ, they will have the most fulfilling lives because they'll know. And that word masterpiece, another uh, way of looking at that Greek word, is as if a master uh, seamstress or tailor laid out the fabric. And he created a garment that fits only Al. Al, there's a garment that he fitted for you. Thank you, Lord. And it is the new man. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. And no other garment will will fit you. If you try, it will be, you know how when you put on clothes that are too big or too small, (laughs) uncomfortable, but he has got something. Tailor-made. Planned, tailor-made for you. And it is your destiny. And you have in Christ. Unlimited potential. Oh, Unlimited. Wow. And what he has put on your heart to do, you can walk in it through thick or thin. You can walk through valleys and you can walk on mountaintops. But with mm. Jesus, by his grace, Thank you, you Jesus. can do absolutely anything. So if it's on your heart and it's a desire, you, you just trust that he put it there. That's a word for me today. I don't know about the rest of y'all. That's, that's for me. Y'all can take it. But <laughs> wow, that's that's a word for me. Thank you, Trisha. Wow, man, yeah, I want I yeah. want I want to shout, but I, I don't want to blow anybody off their seat. Woo! <laughs> that's well, so um, good, Trisha. Oh, yes. wow. And I, I I tell you, I've been um, meeting with. Uh, I had a group of of moms come to me. Um, and I say I really haven't done anything in the last year and a half, but really I've just stayed close to home. We've had a lot of prayer meetings in our home. We have um, done some other meetings, uh, praying for the sick and so forth. And, 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 the, and you didn't invite us? 
Well, I mean, you okay. know, like I said, I'm, I'm, okay. I've been, you know, close to home. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Nothing's been, you I'm, know, I'm just going to show public, up. But. I'm just going to show up one day. You're going to see me and Carla. We're going to be knocking at the door. <laughs> well, the light is on for y'all and y'all can come anytime. But uh, one of the things that I did do was I spent a few weeks. Um, some moms had come to me and said, will you meet with our teenage daughters? Well, I would have to say teenage daughters, even though I have four grown daughters, um, I would say teenagers, as far as teaching, that's a little bit out of my wheelhouse, but, um, and I feel like I'm almost old enough to be their, their grandmothers, but I, I did it. And, um, it was a great experience. But the reason they wanted me to, to teach them was to talk to them about their identity so that mm. when they go out and then they go to college or whatever they're planning on doing, they will be secure in Jesus and they, they won't be you know swayed by every wind of doctrine and, and they won't be afraid and intimidated by what the world is saying right now. That's good. Did you so, record? Did you record any of that or was that too personal? Um, it wasn't too personal, but. You know, I, I attempted to record a little bit of it, but I felt like the Lord said, you know what, let's just, let's just talk. Got you it. You know, let's don't worry about recording these. Yeah. I uh, said that because will. so many, so many young people, wow, would, could use that. Yeah. Well, believe me, Al, there are teachings coming. I know you got it and coming. I, I got know it you. coming. I got, um, uh, in fact, Poema. Mm-hmm is uh, going to be, the Lord told me it's going to be similar to Parisia and that it's going to be multifaceted. It will be, it'll be geared towards the younger generations and it will, it will encompass ev- everything, all the good works that God has prepared beforehand for these masterpieces, which will include teaching. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Trisha Gunn may be teaching, but I believe there will be younger voices also teaching and they will take the message because it will be inside of them, and they'll release it. Mm, I agree also, with there you. Will, yeah, yeah. There, there will be writings, uh, whether you know books, blogs, whatever that, that they will write. There will be uh, music that they will uh, create. There will be art, um, and there will be ministries. You know, whatever whatever's on their hearts to do. Yeah, it could be, you know, some kind of you know, feeding the poor. I mean, whatever's mm. on their heart to do, but what the goal of Poema will be, will be find out who you are in Christ, tap into that, put on the garment, the new man that he has created for you and, and walk in it. And we will, we will help and facilitate that. So yeah, you're going to start a fire, a, a revolution. Yeah. Hey, that's the plan because uh, that's God's plan. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you this. What is Parousia, and why did you call call your ministry Parousia Ministries? Well, um, it actually came to me in the middle of the night a few years ago to call it that, and I knew instantly what God was saying when he said, call it Parousia. Um, Parousia means boldness, and particularly it means boldness to tell the truth. Mm. And a Pharisaist is a truth speaker. You know, Jesus is the truth. He is the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but through Jesus Christ. And the way uh, is through grace. 
right? It's through the cross. Mm. And, you know, you, you and I both experienced this, that the, when you start speaking the pure gospel of grace, um, you, you can get some pushback, right? You know, oh, you've yeah. got to be actually pretty brave to tell it like it is. You do. And to relay the scandal of the gospel without compromise. And you also know, because we've had so many conversations about this, mm-hmm. that there are ditches on both sides of pure grace. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just legalism. It's also, uh, you know, universalism or, you know, pseudo grace is what I call it. Um, so to stay on that road of, of grace takes a lot of boldness and to really stick with the scriptures. And that's, you know, you say I'm a Bible teacher. I, that's that's the only way I know to do it. And uh, I've actually, so far, after all these years, I've never had anyone who actually sat and listened and took the handouts that I always hand out with all the scriptures on it. Mm-hmm. I've never had anybody come up afterwards and say, that's heresy. Um, because when you lay it out verse by verse, Bible-believing people will say, wow. Yeah. I see it now. If you really look at it and, and are open, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Let, let me ask you something. You mentioned the, the word scandal, and I, I have never used that word in my teaching because, to be honest, I've had trouble with it. The scandal, when I hear the word, it just reminds me of something bad, like this the scandal of the gospel. Or, so so explain, that, explain that to me. Help, help me with that. Well, uh, I can appreciate you, you know, you having some hesitation to use that word because it really only has a bad connotation. Um, When I use it, you know, I'm thinking of really the verse that comes to mind is is out of Romans 5. Yeah, somebody gave me, somebody gave me a scripture and I don't even remember where where it is, where it's actually used, but I, I, I didn't really research it. Yeah, I, you know, I typically use uh, the New King James Version, uh, and I'm not even sure if another version uses the word scandal in the passage that I wanted to share, but this is the passage I always think of when I use the words, the scandalous gospel. Mm-hmm is in Romans 5, where it says, for when we were still without strength, another version says we were helpless. Mm -hmm. It says in due time, at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Mm -hmm. Now, if you look that word up, ungodly, it means those who condemned God. Mm. So Christ died for those who condemned him. And then it goes on to say, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And when you preach grace to where the rubber meets the road, people will you know, try to accuse you, maybe, depends on what perspective they're coming from, but that you're trying to say that sin is okay. 
Yeah. And therefore, you know, I guess that's where I think the scandal comes in, if you want to use that word, mm-hmm. is it's it's outrageous what Jesus has done for <laughs> yes. us. Outrageous. Love it. It it's is. utterly unfair because he died while we were yet sinners, ungodly, before we had a thought for him. He took it to where the rubber meets the road, to the extreme that when we're born again, we are eternally accepted, eternally righteous, pure and holy in the spirit man. Now, in the flesh, that's not so, obviously, because we continue to sin. But he separates our identity from our flesh when we're born again. It's like a knife came and circumcised the flesh, right? (laughs) Cut it away so that now we can never be identified by what we do. We are identified by Jesus Christ. And we become a child of God by believing. That's it. It's not by anything good that we do because there's never enough good that you can do that you would ever be like God. But now we can, we can literally say as Jesus is, so am I in this world. And this grace is so radical. Maybe that's a better word, radical that even if we were to do something just unthinkable, murder somebody, the grace of God is enough to enough. reach wow. that extreme, to keep us in right standing with God. It might put us in prison <laughs> <laughs> where we certainly would deserve to go under uh, the natural laws that we live under. Uh, but as far as God, you can be in solitary confinement, having done the most heinous things, and God would still be with you. Yeah. Still righteous. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Mm. So Thank no you, one Lord. can snatch us out of the palm of his hand. We are inscribed. Mm. <laughs> inscribed in his hand. Tricia, when I talk to you, it's always so refreshing. I feel like somebody just poured a a, a bucket of water over me. Just it's just refreshing. Hot water in this weather, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sure it's cold where you are. It's not too cold where I am. But yeah, uh, actually, we got some good good weather came in for a couple of days. But but anyway, this is so good. Oh my goodness, this is so well. Wow. Speaking of goodness, I, I um wonder if I could just talk for a minute on what's been on my heart for the last year and a half. Go for it. Um. Personally, you know, personally, what I felt feel like, and I didn't really realize this at first when God said, step back. Now, of course, it coincided with COVID and the lockdowns, you know, the shutdowns. Mm -hmm. And I had a few things on my calendar and the Lord said, I want you to cancel everything. And I thought, well, I'll just go. I'll just do online. And I did that a little bit, you know, just do some podcasts. But the Lord said, stop. Stop. I want, I want it just you and me, you and me. And I'm literally uh, about 1500 pages into a prayer journal and it's 
Wow. Closing in on a million words. What? Okay. Now this isn't all my words. A lot of it's scripture, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. We're, I, I believe I'm around 900,000 words into this journal. Wow. And uh, yes. And so every so often I'll, I'll, I'll print the last few days and stick them. I'm into four of those big, huge, you know, I think they're two or three inch binders. Um, so what has he been teaching me? Um, uh, he's been teaching me about his goodness. He has been grounding me in who he is. Now, I love to talk about our identity in him. But, it, but until we know who he is, mm. uh, we're never really going to uh, fully grasp how profound it is that we're his children and that um, we were created in his image. So, so we need to know what, who he is. And the main theme has been he's good. And this is a, a phrase, that a sentence that he's given me every day god is good and only good and only has good to give he's not going to give us something that he isn't yes psalm 145 9 says the lord is good to all and his tender mercies are, are over all his works he's good to all and that's you know that's his grace he's good to those who are not good to him. <laughs> He's good to all. Yes. And he doesn't change. No. Um, and this is something that really jumped out at me is, you know, we talk about taking scriptures out of context. And that's a big thing when you're a grace teacher, because if you're reading in the Old Testament, for instance, and you, you know, read about the curse of the law. We'll just take that example. Well, for years, I thought I was under the curse of the law. And I was taking passages out of context because I was reading about the old covenant. And I thought, you know, okay, well, I believe the whole Bible. So, you know, and I even taught that we were under the curse of the law and that there were generational curses and things like that. (laughs) Well, the Lord showed me with my great awakening to grace several years ago that I wasn't under the old covenant. And so when I read things in the old Testament about the people and about um, the law and all that, that I needed to read it in context because Romans 10, four says Christ is the end of the law end of for the law. righteousness That's yes, good. to everyone who believes. And in Galatians 3, 13, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. So I'm not under the law. So reading in context is extremely important. But what God really showed me is that there that you cannot contextualize him. He never changes. Wow. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, we do know that if you want the perfect image of God the Father, you got to look at Jesus because he is the image of God, right? He, he, Jesus said, if you want to know what the Father is like, then look at me. Yeah. He's the visible image of the invisible God. 
so that we can see how God, you know, what his will is, how he relates to people and all of that. But throughout the Bible, there's so much about God and he's always good. He says, I am the Lord. I do not change. In Numbers 23, he says, it says, God is not human that he should die or he should lie. Excuse me. We know he doesn't die either. <laughs> yeah. But that he, that he, I'm reading it um, from my notes here, that he should lie. He doesn't lie. Okay. He's not a human being that yeah. he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? And what is he like? In 2 Timothy, it says he is faithful. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Mm. So I went on a journey over the last year and a half to learn about God. And I have been absolutely blown away. And coming at this from the foundation of the doctrines of pure grace, I can read all of the Old Testament and the Psalms, for instance, which are so rich on the promises of God. I can read what the prophets wrote. I can read all of it and know that every promise made to God's people is a promise to me. Yes. Today. Oh, that's good. And while they were Ooh. under the law, I am not under the law. No. So I, even if I fail, God's promises to me are still sure because the he's faithful. New he's faithful. The new covenant wasn't made with me. The new covenant was made between the father and the son on my behalf. <laughs> Thank you, okay? Lord. It's a foolproof covenant. Whereas the Can't old fail. covenant, that's right. The old covenant was a covenant. The people said, all right, we'll, we'll come into this agreement with you, God. Everything you command, we'll do everything. It was a conditional covenant based on their ability to follow the rules and regulations. Mm -hmm. And God did, that was not his agenda. It, it was not the covenant that he would have desired for them, but it, it was a covenant he made with them and they had to fulfill their end. But you know what? The new covenant is not like that. No. It was made outside of us and it was made with, between the father and the son. And Ooh, this thing this is, is how fixed. we know it's fixed. This, this, it's fixed. Why? <laughs> because Jesus is never going to sin and Jesus is never going to die. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> if you're in Christ, oh, you will wow. never be identified by sin Thank you, Lord. and you will never die. And so all the promises of God for us are yes. And amen in Christ. And now I can look at this and, and I, you know, I, I uh, think, you know, as I present the goodness of God to people, I can already hear their minds going, well, I'm not good. Why should I believe that God, I don't deserve for God to be good to me. Well, it isn't about what you deserve. It's not about what you've done. It's not about what you will do. It's about what Jesus has already done. 
he already proved that he's on our side. Yeah. He's already proven that he wants to lavish us with mm-hmm. God's goodness and grace. And the father proved it by sending his son. The son proved it by getting up on that cross and becoming sin for us and trading places for us. Um, you know, he became sin apart from any sinful actions or deeds that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So therefore, we're not coming to the throne of grace on our own merits. We're yeah. coming to the to that throne of grace in our time of need to mm-hmm. obtain mercy and find grace. As people who are utterly dependent on God, knowing that apart from Jesus, we're nothing. But as Jesus is, so are we in this world because we're in him. Yes. And, and we go as him to the to that throne. And so, you know, David, um, he wrote Psalm 34. It, it is an amazing chapter. If you can see yourself as righteous, listen to what you can say. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Yes. All if you the have troubles. Tr- if you have trouble, he could, he, this is desire to deliver you from all your troubles, all of them. And in, in Romans 8, 32, it says, God didn't spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. If he didn't do that, if he didn't spare his own son, yeah. how will he not with Jesus also freely give us all, all things. things? You know that in the ESV, it says, how will he not with him graciously give us all things? Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Excellent. By I his grace. That version, I keep, that version keeps coming up, and I keep uh, hearing people quote, and uh, I may switch to that one. <laughs> but um, so we're in a position to uh, not have to look at the natural and what our eyes see, but we can go boldly. Parousia, that's the word, that word boldly is Bold. parousia. Wow. Mm-hmm. We can go boldly before the throne of grace and we can expect good because God is good and only has good to give. Yes. In Psalm, Psalm 27, I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Break that down. I love when you teach on that. Well, you know, what would be the opposite is that you lose heart. Why do you lose heart? Because you're not believing. You have to believe. You have to, you know, you don't have hope if you don't see God as good and you don't see him as a God of grace. Okay, we'll lose hope. And when you lose hope, I'm telling you, you lose heart. Mm. And we would have lost heart unless we had believed. You know, if you don't have hope, you don't have you don't have substance for your faith. So first you've got to have a confident, joyful, confident expectation of good in your future. That's so and important. Can, so important. Yeah. There's so so many people that are losing hope today. Because yep. of all the stuff that's going on in, in our world, so this this is this is key. 
I think it is absolutely critical for the body of Christ to not bow to the lie of the enemy that our darkest days are ahead and that we just need to hunker down, no. get up underneath of a, a rock no. and just try to protect ourselves. No. We ought to be the ones boldly yes. going forth and sharing the gospel of the grace of Jesus Christ. And and I'm telling you, without compromise. Yes. Because the day is coming and is already here. Uh, where speaking the name of Jesus and the, and and preaching from the scriptures is under attack, yeah. And the day the day is coming that it could it could potentially become illegal, okay? Um, as we have, you know, uh, there's certain you know legislations that are trying to to come about to thwart our speech and all of that. But you know what? We don't have anything to worry about. Nope. We just read the book of Acts and how they, you know, through thick or thin, kept on preaching the gospel. How can we not? How can we and, not? And I believe God wants us uh, to walk in power because we have the ministry of righteousness. Mm-hmm. It far outweighs this ministry of death. We have the power of the resurrection inside of us. And it wasn't just meant for us and our bodies though it was, it gives life to our mortal bodies, but the spirit within us, it, it is designed that it would be released so that when we go about doing good, we'll be as Jesus healing all who are oppressed of the devil. So we shouldn't be afraid to pray for the sick, to pray for the demon possessed, to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ, to talk about the cross. And, um, and the same thing, that will happen to us as happened in the scriptures. You know, we kind of, in the last few years, I know that you and I, we've been preaching this gospel of grace uh, to the choir a lot, but also to those who, you know, in the church who've never heard this before, but there's coming a day we've got to get out of the fishbowl and out into the world because there's a dying generation out there, right? They are lost as lost can be. Yes. And, I was teaching some young people who are will be heading to college soon. I said, you're going to see everything under the sun when you go to college, if you hadn't seen it already. But when you see some of these things uh, that are totally contradictory to reality, you know, some of these issues with identity, gender, and all that kind of thing, mm-hmm. I, I told them, I said, you go towards them, not away from them. You don't get in your holy huddle. You go share Jesus with them. That's you good. tell them about Jesus. And you know what God told me one day as I was at home alone and I was just walking around the house and praising and pray. He said, just preach the gospel. Talk about the cross. Talk about Jesus becoming sin on that cross. You don't have to list every sin that people are committing these days. When you just preach that he became sin, that we might become righteous, and you preach the grace of God, they're going to be attracted to that message. You're, you know, we can be afraid to teach about Jesus becoming sin on the cross because, you know, supposedly when you talk about grace, you're not supposed to talk about sin. Well, you know what? We can talk about Jesus becoming sin for us. Right. And automatically people know that's my sin. Mm. That's my sin. 
because the Holy Spirit does that work in people's hearts. Mm -hmm. But how will they know if no one tells them? Yes. We have to be bold and tell them you are in need of a Savior. Mm -hmm. Jesus died for you, that you might become the righteousness of God in him. There's nothing you have ever done that will keep him from loving you. And that love sent him to the cross. And that once you receive him as your Lord and Savior, you know, there's nothing you could ever do that would ever separate you from him. Ever. Wow. Praise so, God. That's so That's good. a message. <laughs> yes. So we got to get this to, word out. Yes. We do. We do. And we, and, but I think that we have to also just believe for ourselves that God has good in store for us. And, you know, one of the things that I'm seeing as we survey the landscape of what's going on in the world right now and godless uh, people calling evil good and good evil, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're seeing a lot, a lot of people's lives being torn apart. Um, and one of the things that's really been on my mind is the family. And I have seen so many families torn apart and I've, <laughs> You know, there's a lot of ways you can you can do it. Um, a lot of a lot of ways to slice that bread, and and you know we see it <laughs> with politics. We see it mm -hmm. in all kinds of ways, and uh, and one of the things that that um, thing you know, young people are taught these days <coughs> is that we can't disagree. That disagreement leads to violence. And uh, so they shut down. They're triggered if you disagree. Hmm. And they will uh, run the other direction. So, so the enemy has polluted the minds of a generation through media, you know, through social media, through the Internet. You know, it, Al, when you and I were growing up, uh, we didn't, you know, we had a TV, <laughs> right? Three <laughs> stations, three, three stations in PBS. Um, and we had a landline. Um, and that was about it. So everything was word of mouth. And what happened, you know, across the world, we wouldn't even know about for a long time. But now it's instant and the and the kids are being indoctrinated. And uh you know, are we powerless against that? Do we have to bow the knee to that? Do we have to be afraid and intimidated by the devil? And this is something I want to speak to parents out there. I, I know I'm, I'm 57 years old, okay? I have five grown children. I know what they're on, you know, the attacks that their minds are under. I, I know, you know, because they tell me what their friends are, are believing. And, um, and these were kids that were raised in church and received the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, as children, walked in it, and uh, many have left the faith. I'll tell you one reason I think that is. And by the way, if they received the Lord Jesus Christ and they were born again, they're born again, okay? You can't be, you know, eternal life is eternal. Righteousness mm -hmm. is forever. Right. So if you have lost children, um, it, it's temporary. They're coming back home because... Uh, no one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. The Good Shepherd is after them to bring them home. So yes, they're they're in the flock, and uh, 
But, you know, what I think happened is uh, we were kind of caught flat-footed as a generation in that we weren't really prepared for this onslaught of lies and the deception. Because what the enemy has done is he's gone after, uh, you know, this pseudo-righteousness that uh, you aren't a loving person if you don't accept this or that, Mm. okay? And they're lies, but you have to accept it or you're not a good person. That appeals to the flesh. That appeals to even the flesh Mm -hmm. of believers. Mm -hmm. Because I don't want anybody to tell me I'm not loving and forgiving. I don't want to tell me, tell anybody telling me that I don't accept people. But you know what? God is not saying don't accept people. He is saying don't accept the enemy's lies. And don't accept the, that your children are bound to a horrible destiny. That's down right. a dark path. Don't accept that. And these People, a lot of times, believers are bowing out of intimidation and fear. But, you know, let me go back to Psalm 27 once again. It says, I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And that word wait, kava in Hebrew, um, is it means to eagerly expect. Mm, and I remember the first time I looked good. that up, it doesn't mean wait as in, oh, maybe he'll never come. No, it means eagerly expect. And when I saw Kava and I looked it up in Strong's Concordance, instantly God gave me this picture of the father waiting for his prodigal son to come home. He had binoculars. And he was eagerly expecting the goodness of God. He was out on the porch waiting. So you don't give up on that. God didn't give us children for calamity. That's right. (laughs) And if we as parents and as the older generation of grandparents and parents bow the knee to the lies of the enemy, then what hope do we have for the future generations? What we're doing is we're saying, God, you're not good. I don't expect good. I'm just going to bow the knee to this. And just somehow I'm going to suffer through till I die and go home. I mean, what kind of life is that? Horrible. It's a horrible life. So I just want to give you a, a couple of scriptures, if I can find them here. What does God say about the family? Okay. Mm-hmm. In Psalm 100. It says the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations, generations. You know what a generation is? Webster says it's the average span of time between the birth of parents and that of their offspring. So God is faithful through the generations forever. Okay, there's never a generation that he skips. He's faithful through all generations. And I love the fact that he used that word generation because it, sometimes we get so complicated. We don't realize what the basics are. The basics are is that God is father. 
He set up family. That's the first thing he did with Adam and Eve. He set up a mother and a father, a husband and a wife. And he called himself father. So we're his children. So this whole thing, family is the building block. And uh, it was his idea. It was an expression of himself. It was established from the beginning. And uh, Paul said this. He said, I kneel before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Hang on a second. (coughs) I have to say, I've got a little bit of the COVID cough left. Hate to say it. And honestly, it was a nothing burger. I had a few symptoms for a couple of days, but I've had this little hacky thing for the last couple of weeks. Okay. But back to the to the topic at hand. He's unchanging. God doesn't change. Okay. So what does he want for our family? The same thing he wants for his family. Okay. What is his design? What is his plan? What is his will? All right. And let me tell you why it's important to know what his will is. (coughs) First John five. This is the confidence we have in him. And what is that word confidence? Parousia. This is the parousia we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Yes. Pretty basic, huh? Yes. If you know, if you know it's his will, Go for it. Go for the guzzler. (laughs) Yes. Praise God. So, what does he want for his family? What does he want for our family? Psalm 102. God, you are always the same. You will live forever. The children of your people will live in security. Their children's children will thrive in your presence. Psalm 37. I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They're always generous and lend freely and their children are a blessing. Isaiah 65, we will not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for we are the offspring of those blessed by the Lord and our descendants with them. Psalm 112, their children will be mighty in the land. Thank the you, The generation of the upright will be blessed. Listen to, listen to this one, Al. You and I can <laughs> claim this one. Yes. Psalm 127, behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior. So are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies at the gate. Now, I, I, I went into this and studied this out mm-hmm. because I wanted to know for myself as a parent of five children, what does this mean for me? Yeah. All right. So first of all, they are a gift. Our children are a gift mm-hmm. from the Lord. Yes. No one can take away a gift no. that God has given us. 
and they are a reward. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, they're a reward because we are the righteousness of God in him. We are rewarded for God's righteousness, God's goodness, and we're rewarded for that. Yes, that's good. Where, wherever our children are, whatever they're doing right now, whoever they're with right now. Thank you, Lord. They are still our children. Yes. They do not belong to anyone else. Hallelujah. Because God gave them to us. Now, this passage also says that our children are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. That means our children are like weapons against the enemy. They are the children of our youth that we raised, that we provided for, that we protected. Mm -hmm. But, Mm -hmm. But let me tell you, one day, and today's the day, we can say this now that our children are grown, and let's just declare it that they will rise up to protect us. Yes. They will rise up to provide for us. Yes. They will have influence and honor. They will stand (laughs) with us and for us when the enemy attacks us. This is so good. Wow. I received that too. (laughs) They are arrows in the hand of a warrior. I mean, they our children, yours and mine, Al Jennings, can stand before the enemy and say, you're not touching my parents or my grandparents or my children. They're warriors. Yes. And that was God's plan. That's God's will. So we know if we, we can ask anything according to God's will. We know he hears us. And if Mm -hmm. he hears us, whatever it is, we know we have those things. So we can declare it and we can pray for it. Psalm 22 says, our children will also serve him. Future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord. His righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. They will hear about everything that God has done. Isaiah 59, 21 in the Living Bible. Mm. This is the one my mother used to read from. As for me, this is my promise to them, says the Lord. My Holy Spirit shall not leave them. And they shall want the good and hate the wrong, they yes. and their children and their children's children forever. Amen. And let me give you one more. <laughs> I may give you more than one more. This is so good. This is the word of God. It's yeah, powerful. go ahead. Proverbs 17. Grandchildren are the crowning glory of the aged. Parents are the pride of their children. This is God's will. It is God's will that parents are the pride of their children. You know, we always think of, oh, we're so proud of our children. No, this verse is saying they're proud of us. They're proud to be called our children. They love saying, Al Jennings, that's my dad. (laughs) You you know, like a little boy would be so proud of his dad. Think of a 40-year-old man looking at his dad and going, that's Al Jennings. That's my dad, and I'm proud to be called a Jennings. Mm, that's so good, Tricia. I'm proud to be called a gun. Yeah. So this is God's plan. And grandparents, I mean, imagine, you know what this means when it says grandchildren are the crowning glory of the age? It means that grandparents wear their grandchildren on their heads like a crown. Like their grandchildren bring them such dignity and honor. That's God's will. 
Yes. So, you know, if anybody is listening and they've been praying for their grandchildren, it is God's will that your grandchildren will bring you great dignity and honor. Thank you, Lord. So we'll pray for that. Yes. Isaiah 44, I will give you abundant water for your thirst and for your parched fields. I will pour out my spirit and my blessings on your children. They will thrive like watered grass. This, this is God's plan. This is God's, you know, and there, there's another passage that I was thinking about, you know, talking to a lot of parents and their, and their younger generations seem to be dug in like you cannot talk to them. They don't want to hear it. Mm. They don't want to hear about God. They don't want to hear about common sense. They don't want to hear about truth. But you know what? That's not God's will. No. In fact, when Jesus came, the era that Jesus came, there was a lot of division among parents and children. There was a lot of division in the society. Um, John the Baptist came on the scene. It says to go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. What that means is with, with courage to speak God's word. And it says to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. Mm. And I got stuck on that word turn. Now, what you got to understand is that era in history, they, there was a lot going on and the children you know, were dug in. There was all these doctrines. And there, it was it was absolutely there were children who would not listen to their parents. They were they were completely disobedient and rebellious. But Jesus came to turn hearts. Okay, and that word "turn" is a Greek word, epistrepho, and it means to cause to return or to bring back. And it says that the rebellious, it would turn the rebellious and disobedient back to the wisdom of the righteous. That word disobedient, and I loved looking that one up because it said impersuasible is a definition, not compliant. Mm. And uh, my husband loves this word because we were talking about one day, Mm. contumacious, contumacious. What does that mean? It means headstrong, insolent. (laughs) <laughs> resisting legitimate authority, stubbornly disobedient, mm. stubborn, dug in, mm. you know, and, and there are so many lies going on right now. Their heads are filled with propaganda. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. That is not God's will. No. It is his will that they turn, that they return and come back to come the back. wisdom to the wisdom of the, and you know what the word wisdom there it's not the the word we usually use for wisdom mm-hmm. it's not the greek word that we normally have it's a different one it means the, that the love of the will of god they will turn back to loving the will of god and that is the wisdom of the righteous so we have generations and i'm telling you we are on the verge of a tsunami of grace Thank you, that Lord. is going to pull in yes, I believe it. millions yes. of young people. Thank you, Lord. The devil thinks that he has them 
and he's got them all walking around boys are girls and girls are boys mm-hmm. and, and all of the perverted sexualities and and all of the anger and uh you know fueling fires uh that you know of all this anger i'm telling you it's all coming down yes there is coming a wave and we are going to see those young people coming back home so i don't want anybody to give up in fact i i listened to this podcast not too long ago of this lady oh wow it, it was it was just excellent she was being interviewed um her daughter had gotten into some lies and a completely false identity. And I won't go into all the details of it, but I will tell you it was as far gone as far gone can, can be. And let me tell you, it involved all kinds of surgeries and everything else. Mm. Nine years, this mom prayed and, and dad never accepting the lie, always loving their daughter never changing the the pronouns and all that ne- never mm-hmm. buying into any of it mm-hmm. trusting the lord and believing 9 years in jesus just showed up glory to god showed up thank you lord and uh she came home and now she is she goes around sharing the gospel with people lovely beautiful uh lady in her in her 30s now beautiful um just amazing story but i just wanted to hone in on one thing that that mom said in that interview she said when they come to the end of themselves they always return to the people that spoke truth to them that's so good that's so good so you got to eagerly expect because if you bow down and you you bow to fear that's the fear you know people will enable lies that their loved ones are believing because they're afraid of losing their loved ones. But you know what? God will give you a way to do it. That's filled with grace Mm -hmm. and they'll come back to you when it's all over. And you can't use legalism with them. You got to use grace, Yeah. but there's a way to do it Mm -hmm. that that bond of love is never broken. Yeah. And they, and they come back just like the prodigal father. You know, the good, good father with the prodigal son. Yeah, yeah. I, I did a compilation of one of my favorite verses, is Luke 15, 20, the one that says, that, you know, that the father was waiting on the son. But I did a compilation. I looked it up in a bunch of different verses, uh, versions, and here's what I came up with. And the son got up and returned to his own father. But when he was still a great way off, his father looked off in the distance and saw his son returning. Great compassion swelled up in his heart. He was moved with pity and tenderness for his son and raced out to meet him. Mm. He fell on his neck, enfolded him in an embrace, swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly, and kissed him fervently over and over with tender love. Wow. Trisha, that is so, so good. And... I tell you, thank you so much for sharing. Please come back. We we got to do this again. I know you're not finished. We're going to wrap it up <laughs> for the, today, but will you come back and so we can continue? I know you got a lot more in you. Well, you know, I can go for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> I got 900,000 words. 
1,500 pages. Would you please come back? I would love to. Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thanks, Tricia, for sharing with us today. Well, God bless you. Thank you for joining us today for the Living by Grace podcast. You are greatly blessed, highly favored, deeply loved, totally righteous, and destined to win because of Jesus. Have an amazing day.